0: through the book of Mark, and we're looking today at Mark chapter 12, verses 18 through 27. The words are on the screen, or if you want to, you may turn in your Bible there to follow along. It's page 1575 in the Pew Bible. If you carried your own Bible, you're on your own. I have no idea what the page number is, okay? Uh, But in my Bible, this section is entitled Marriage at the Resurrection. Uh, Interesting question. And we're going to pick it up. Mark chapter 12, verse 18. Hear the word of God. Then the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him, that is to Jesus, with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and have children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first one married and died without leaving any children. The second one married the widow, but also died, leaving no child. It was the same with the third. In fact, none of the seven left any children. Last of all, the woman died too. At the resurrection, whose wife will she be, since the seven were married to her? Jesus replied, Are you not in error because you do not know the Scriptures or the power of God? When the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Now about the dead rising, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the account of the bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are badly mistaken. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we come to you today gathered together as your church, as your people. A people who love you and a people who love your Word. And so, Lord, as we opened it today, as we have read it and now we'll hear it proclaimed, we pray that your Spirit will speak to us. May we still our bodies, silence our lips, focus our minds, and open our hearts to hear what it is that the Spirit is saying to the church, even Grace Church. Speak to us, Lord. Come. Lord Jesus, come. We pray it in your holy name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters loved by God, true confessions this morning. Do you ever feel kind of bad about committing a sin sometimes? anybody ever feel a little bit of shame, a little bit of guilt? It's like, oh, I knew I should have said that. Or as soon as you did something, you said, I wish I didn't do that. Now, I know I do, and I'm assuming that you do too. You know, the Bible tells us that we have all fallen sin, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's no one here who's perfect. I don't care what your spouse thinks, he or she ain't perfect, okay? We all sin. Nobody, I know, I know we're getting some pushback here, but, but we all fall short, right? There's things that we do, things that we say, and honestly, nobody loves God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength all of the time, and nobody loves their neighbor as much as they probably love themselves, or like Jesus commanded us to. So I thought it would be really interesting this morning if we just began by sharing, what is your worst sin? What is the, your bad is, sad is sin. Anybody, anybody want to share who's first? You know, wouldn't that be cool, right? We could just, you know, no, okay. Maybe you would like to share a bad sin of somebody else that you know, right? Okay, we could talk, we could talk about other people. Oh, the hands go up now, right? So, okay, we won't, we won't share that. Today's passage deals with some really bad, some sad, sins. These sins are not what you might think. They're not murder, committing adultery, or some of the things that we think are the top and the worst, baddest sins. In fact, they are sad sins because they belong to a group of religious leaders in Jesus' day known as the Sadducees. Say it with me. The Sadducees. So in a little play on words this morning... I call them sad sins. Get it? Okay. In truth, these sad sins can easily become, however, the sins of anyone, including you and me, and especially of religious people. We are especially prone to these bad, sad sins. According to Mark 12, the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection of the dead come to Jesus with a question. The Pharisees had already tried to trap Jesus earlier with a question. I guess now it's the Sadducees' turn. They're trying to stump Jesus with this question. They cite an Old Testament law found in Deuteronomy chapter 25. If a man's brother dies and leaves a wife with no children, it becomes that man's responsibility, the next brother in line, to marry the wife of the deceased husband and to have children on, in the name of the deceased husband, his older brother. Now, I know this seems really weird today, but you gotta remember that children were a person's social security. Okay? And it's like this in many cultures still today, uh, where the government isn't helping out with, like, you know, maybe they do here in America so much. And, and so the children are the ones that help provide this social security for the, the parents as they age and, and grandparents and so forth. And often they live together. The Sadducees continue now with a ridiculous hypothetical scenario that would likely never happen. Seven brothers, they all marry the same woman, one in succession of the other one. Each one dies, the next one marries her, the he dies, the next one marries her. She, he dies, the next one it goes all the way down through seven brothers, they all die. finally, the woman dies too. And now here's their loaded question of Jesus. At the resurrection. Whose wife will she be since she was married to seven men? <clears throat> now, in truth, the Sadducees are not so interested in a good theological answer. The question was a ruse to try to trap Jesus and to, 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 to make him look silly in this doctrine of the resurrection, which they thought was just ludicrous and which Jesus taught. So now they're trying to trick Jesus. Okay, Jesus, you tell us now. Whose whose husband will she have in heaven? Jesus' response is a little bit harsh. Verse 24. He said, Are you not in error? Because... You do not know the scriptures or the power of God. And Jesus goes on now to explain to them that when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. Our resurrected spiritual state will be qualitatively different than what it is now. And then Jesus cites a reference from Exodus chapter 3, verse 6. Hang in there with me. To debunk their errant theology about not believing in the resurrection. And we'll get to that in a moment. But verse 27 is kind of the punchline. God is not the God of the dead, says Jesus, but the God of the living. You are badly mistaken. You are guilty of some sad sins, you Sadducees. It's an interesting story. What does it mean? What does it say to us today? How does it challenge us or comfort us in 2023? How is it relevant? And I want to submit to you that it actually is quite relevant today. A lot of application here for us. Three sins of the Sadducees, three sad sins which Jesus exposes in them and which we too must be aware of and guard against today as well. If you want, you can take out your outline and fill them in as we go. The first sin of the Sadducees, which we can sometimes be guilty of also, is this, not Knowing the scriptures. Just say it with me. Not knowing the scriptures. The Sadducees were an aristocratic group of priestly families. They were wealthy, sophisticated, scholarly. They were well respected, had enormous political and religious influence. They were viewed as spiritual authorities in their day. But they had one big problem they didn't know the scriptures. Jesus again Jesus said in verse 24, "Are you not in error because you do not know the scriptures?" How is it that Jesus could make such a startling claim about a group of supposed biblical scholars and religious experts? Well, as it turns out, the Sadducees knew parts of the scripture well, and they ignored other parts they knew the parts that they liked they were experts on the pentatube the pentatube comes from that word penta penta means what 5 The first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, these these are the Pentateuch. It's the Pentateuch. And these Sadducees were experts on the Pentateuch. In fact, it was the only part of Scripture that they accepted. They rejected the writings of the prophets. They rejected the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. They rejected the oral traditions of faith that were passed down from generation. And consequently, they rejected the doctrine of the resurrection, which was so central to Jesus' teaching. And since the Pentateuch did not speak of a resurrection explicitly, they rejected the doctrine. They thought it was silly. You see, their question isn't about marriage in the afterlife. It's about the resurrection. Jesus kind of outsmarts them with his answer. Mark chapter 12, verse uh, 24, 26. He quotes a passage from the Pentateuch, from Exodus, chapter three, verse five, a part of the Bible that they had revered, that they had accepted. He uses that in actually to refute their error. Now about the dead rising? Have you not read in the book of Moses, in the account of the bush? that's a shorthand for in the, the burning bush? How God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Jesus says, he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Now, you got to get this. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had been dead for years at this point. And yet God is saying to Moses, I am God is using the present tense verb, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God uses the present tense of the verb to make the point that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are still with me. They are still living. Yes, there is an afterlife. There is a resurrection. And you Sadducees are badly mistaken. You don't know the Scriptures. Not even your own Scriptures. And I wonder... How many promises of God do we miss out on? Because we don't know the Scriptures. We know parts of the Scriptures. We know the parts that we like. We know the parts that are affirming, that make us feel good and bring us comfort. But do we really know the Bible, all of it, None of us have the Bible down pat. I, you know, we know that. We're human. We... But I think Jesus is saying you need to look at all of Scripture. In the Reformed Church, we have a saying that Scripture interprets Scripture. It's been said that heresy is not believing a lie or something that's necessarily wrong. Heresy can simply be holding on to one particular viewpoint and not seeing the other side. And sometimes I, I fear that Christians can hold on to one, one or two scriptures ones that they feel passionately about or deeply about or strongly about or, or, or verses and passages that support their view or their political stance and, and they want to hold on to that and they make that their crusade, but they maybe ignore sometimes some other passages. And it's what I love about the Reformed Church and our view of Scripture because we view the Scripture, the Bible, as one whole story. And you've got to take it holistically And I think Jesus is telling us that. Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, All Scripture, say that with me, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. How are you doing in your knowledge of the Word of God? Do you even have a Bible? Do you you read it regularly regularly? You open it up faithfully and read and, and dive in and maybe you have a devotional that you're following. That's great. Maybe you're just reading a book of Scripture. You're going through one book after the next. I'm, I'm going through Genesis right now personally and I've also started Psalms because I just keep rotating around back to Psalms. I love the Psalms. But it's a time to celebrate and a time to dig in and dive in and, and to get to know your Bible. It's God's love letter to you. And there are promises like the resurrection in there that we need to know that we can find comfort in. Get to know the Bible. Read it. Study it. Memorize it. Live it. To not know it, Jesus is saying, is a sin. How would you like it if you wrote a book and you asked some friends to read it? Oh, I never did read it. So imagine, oh, God, God asks you in heaven, how did you like my book? Oh, I never read it. Yeah. Huh? Not knowing the Scriptures, that's sin number one. That's a sad sin. Number two, another sad sin is not knowing the strength of God. Say it with me. Not knowing the strength of God or the power of God in verse Twenty-four. Are you not in error? Says Jesus, because you do not know the Scriptures or the power of God. Anybody here uh, see or hear some fireworks uh, the other week, last week, early last week? You ever see? You you didn't even have to go anywhere, right? They were probably, if they were like me, they were all in the neighborhood right here. They were blowing them off across the street over there. I was trying to sleep, and they were. I think there was bottle rockets going off right outside my window, and it was just like, bam, wow, you know. It's like, man, what time is that, is that ordinance? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call the police. You know, this is nuts. I'm trying to sleep. You probably heard them, right? Some booms and bangs and explosions and whatnot going on, and hooting and hollering. Well, a few years ago, I went down to... Um, down to the river to see the, the, the public display, the city's display, and uh, you know, there was just a marvelous display, right? And boy, at the end of that display, some of you might remember this, there were fireballs. They had about five or six of them lined up along the bridge, and they just, they just ignited. You ever see these things? They are huge. I mean, we could feel the heat like a block away. It was just incredible. And then usually at the end, there's one big boom, that, like, you feel, right? It's like you feel the concussion in your, in, your, in your body. It's just incredible. So, Some of those fireworks are like a stick of dynamite. It's like, boom, it's incredible. Guess what? The word that is used in verse 24 for the power of God is the Greek word dunamis. Say it with me, dunamis. It is where we get our English word dynamite. And it carries the connotation that the power of God is, is a little bit like dynamite. It's explosive. It's, it's shocking. It's amazing. You're going you're gonna to feel it. And I think Jesus is saying to these Sadducees with all of their supposed piety and religious influence, you don't even know the power of God. You have a lot of information but you're really short on inspiration. You've made a career out of acting religiously and judging others' spirituality and pointing out others' flaws when you yourselves have never allowed yourself to be moved by the power of God. You don't have the Spirit of God living in you. You've turned a dynamic, dynamite relationship with God into a dry, academic, going-through-the-motions religion rules, regulations, routines. They come to Jesus with this question about marriage after the resurrection. And on the surface, it seems like a legitimate question, and maybe you too have wondered, what is your relationship going to be like in heaven with, like, with your spouse? Will you recognize loved ones? Will you recognize your spouse? Will you still be married in, in heaven uh, will there be intimacy in heaven? What if you were married more than once? So your spouse died and you got remarried, or, or maybe you got divorced and you got remarried. I mean, who's, and, you know, by the grace of God, you were all say you ended up, wow, this is a little awkward. You know, who's going who's gonna to be the spouse, right, you know? I mean, people have a lot of questions about heaven, right? You know, will pets be in heaven? Will animals be in heaven? Will, will dogs be in heaven? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Will cats be in heaven? No. they don't seem very Christian to me you know I don't know anyway but this question here it's a good question right it's a fascinating question and Jesus kind of indulges them he knows what their motives are but he indulges them with an answer in verse 25 when the dead rise they will neither marry nor be given in marriage they will be like the angels in heaven he says now you got to be careful here to see what Jesus is saying and what he's not saying Jesus seems to be saying that there will be no need for marriage, that is, new marriages, in heaven. So they will neither marry, it's not, they're, it's not gonna have a, you're not going to have a wedding ceremony, or given in marriage, like a, like a father would give the bride away. They're not married nor given in marriage. I mean, there's no need for new marriages in heaven. But notice that Jesus does not negate the possibility of existing marriages continuing. Okay, I don't, I don't see that here. But how many of you know there are just a lot of things about heaven that we do not fully understand in this earth? The Bible doesn't necessarily go into a lot of detail. And the mystery, this is a great mystery to us, right? But here's the thing. You never need to worry. Because heaven, we know for sure, will be glorious and eternal, and filled with splendor, and the power, and the presence of God, and you will be completely healed, and completely satisfied beyond your wildest dreams. You will not be disappointed in heaven, I can assure you that. No matter what your relationship will be to your former spouse, or spouses, as the case might be. And this is where Jesus points us to the strength, the power, and the splendor of God. Some things remain a mystery. Some things just require trust. Jesus' note about being like angels in heaven is, is more of a figurative uh, meaning, according to the commentaries. Uh, we're going to be uh, meaning that our lives are going to be different lived on kind of a higher plane than on this earth. You're not going to become an angel, okay? Some people say, well, you're going to get your angel wings. Well, not not really, not necessarily. We don't become like angels, but we're going to live life on kind of a higher plane. You will remain you, just as Jesus was still Jesus when he rose from the dead. But he was transformed. He was different, like you will be. And the point is this. The power of God can do anything. The power of God can indeed raise the dead. The power of God has something marvelous in store for you. You simply cannot define or describe heaven using the limited language of human experience on planet Earth. It is beyond our imagination. It is beyond our language and experience. It is so good. Paul said, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive what God has prepared for those who love him. Do you know the dunamis of God in your life? The power of God? Well, these Sadducees, they were very religious people, but they failed to see the power of God, even to have it in their own lives. And you know, for some of us, that's really easy especially of religious people. We find ourselves going through the motions, checking the boxes. You know, we might know our Bible intellectually or at least some parts of it. But when it comes to a personal living experience with a dynamic God, sometimes we miss out. I think sometimes we're so busy, we just fail to be still and know that God is God and to... Let His Spirit just touch you. One of the things that I really enjoy doing on Sunday mornings, it's become my kind of my spring, summer, and fall tradition on Sunday mornings. Some of you know I get up early and I take a walk. I walk about a mile every Sunday morning. uh, And then I go back to the house and I sit in my little lawn chair out in the front stoop, I guess you call it. And I watch squirrels and bunnies play. The other week some squirrel ran right up by my feet. It's like, whoa, kind of scared me a little bit, look. Okay, you know, but I just sit there in nature and I hear birds singing, I see squirrels running around, I hear, I see bunnies. Playing. You know, those bunnies can be funny. They oh, they jump straight up. You know, I mean, it's just, just know and feel the presence of God. Slow down, smell the roses, friends. And these Sadducees had missed that aspect of their relationship with God. To them, it was all academic. It was all information, but no inspiration. They didn't know the Scriptures. They didn't know the strength of God. And thirdly, maybe most importantly, the sad sin of not knowing the Savior Jesus in their midst. Say it with me. Not knowing the Savior Jesus in their midst. This might be the gravest, baddest, and saddest sin of all, the Lord of life, the Savior of the world, the King of the universe, was standing right in their midst. They were interacting with Him, and yet they failed to see Jesus for who He was, the Son of God, the Messiah. Rather than have open hearts and minds to Him, they were skeptical and suspicious and tried to to stump him and shut him up. The Sadducees were full of themselves, filled with self-righteousness and arrogance and pride, and, and yet they were spiritually blind. They may have looked pious and powerful and pleasing to others, but they were not right with God. They did not recognize or know the Savior Jesus standing right before them. John said, He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. Jesus rebukes these Sadducees twice for missing the point. It was a sad sin indeed. Have you ever missed something or someone who was like right in front of you? Maybe you went to a concert or the ball game and you said, I'll meet you there or I'll be by the gate or I'll be by, so, you know, this place or that place. And you went there and he's like, you're looking all around. Where are they? I, we're supposed to meet here. You call them on your, where are you? I'm right here. You turn around, oh, there they are. You know, they're right, like right in front of you or right behind you. Sometimes Jesus is right there. Sometimes he's right in front of you. And maybe he's present in the people that are right in front of you. Or in his spirit in the midst of our worship as a congregation. I'm so happy to say that Grace Church is a church where Jesus is alive and well and working in our midst. Amen? Amen. That we're two or more are gathered in his name, that he is in their presence, he is in their midst, and and we claim that promise every time we gather on Sunday. He's here, he's present. Do you see him? Would you acknowledge him? Don't overlook him. Don't neglect him. John 1.12 also says, to all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. So Come. Meet Jesus. He's standing in our midst today with the power to heal and to forgive and to refresh and revive. And my hunch is that probably all of us could use a little revitalization in our lives. I know I could. And maybe you too. What's one of the first things you do when you get up in the morning? Brush your teeth. You get out of bed and you look in the mirror right you look in the mirror i don't know we we have this funny habit it's not like anything is really going to change that much right it's pretty much the same as it was yesterday or you know or eight hours ago when you went to bed right i mean it's pretty much the same face you know i guess maybe i'm hoping that something will miraculously look you know better i'll be 10 years younger you know when i look in the mirror but You know, we look in the mirror, we kind of look, okay, what needs fixing, you know, today before I put myself out there in public? And and today's passage is a passage that invites us to look in the mirror, to just say, okay, Jesus, how does this relate to me? Maybe I need to have a greater passion for your word. Maybe I need to dig into your word better. Better. Uh, maybe I need to get involved in a Bible study. Uh, Maybe I need to join a small group this fall. Maybe I need to have my own devotional life every day reading your word. It's accessible. You've given it to me. Why don't I read it? Lord, help me to read your word. Help me to know your word. And maybe to look at parts that you're not always that familiar with. And help me to live that word. Maybe you're, maybe you're, going through the motions in your, in your Christian life. and You're just like, okay, Jesus, I need your power. I want to feel more of you. I want, I want you to be present. I know it's not all about feeling, but I just I need to feel your presence once in a while. Jesus, would you bless me with a sense of your presence today? Maybe you miss Jesus altogether. Maybe you've never really given your life to Christ. You've gone to church maybe all of your life, but you've missed the point. It's not about a religion. It's about a relationship with God through Jesus. And so today may be a day to recommit, to be renewed. Say, oh, those sins of the Sadducees, those sad sins. No, they're not true of me. They're not true of me. Father, come before us today and just refresh us, we ask Thank you for this message and for the wisdom to be able to dissect it and, Lord, just to share it. Lord, we know that people are always trying to trip you and trap you, even those Sadducees who seem so religious. Lord, in truth, they had missed the point that you were right there. So, Lord, may we not miss the point. May we know our scriptures, all of them, May we know the overall themes of the Bible and not just certain parts or certain pet scriptures or passages. May we know your strength. May it be alive and present with us in real, tangible ways. And may we know Jesus. May we know Jesus. May we be a church that knows the scriptures, that knows your strength, and knows the Savior. In his holy name we pray it. Amen.